everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 189. And this is the dead of winter when this is being recorded. And right now, yesterday morning it was 18 below in the morning, and this morning 10 below, so heat wave there. Uh, very difficult to do. I actually can't take the dogs outside. We've got about eight inches of hard frozen snow. And so uh, all indoor work and things. And I, I don't have a G update because all her stuff would be the outdoor stuff. So I'm just going to probably wrap up this building your dog uh, topic. And I want to, as a reminder, you know, we talked about make sure you have the right dog for what you're doing, not just because of their color, their hair, length, or any of that, but a dog that functions and performs in a way that uh, is exactly what you're looking for and that you also have the uh, means to house it and take care of it and give it the training and the attention that it needs within the confines of your life. That's very important. And then we talked about how one of the things that we all do with our dogs, boy, boy, do we ever, is impart a lot of our own personal characteristics to them. And so just being aware of that, make sure that there they are characteristics that you want to impart to your dog. There's some to be avoided, a little, you know, attention deficit, uh, kind of the dark gray outlook, just a lot of things that you might want to, that just transfer right over <laughs> to the dog. So at least know that that's a little bit of what's going on. And then the last one, a real important one, teaching uh, dogs to think. Golly, that is a very undervalued thing. I don't think people even think about that. But they are capable of canine thinking, canine cause and effect. And if you teach them from the get-go as they are capable of understanding, to take some responsibility for their actions and what, and to be aware of what's around them and take it into account. Like, don't run into me. No, don't jump all over me. Don't uh, knock me out of the way to go where you want to go. All, just so many things. If you teach them how to think that way, then for the rest of their lives, you have a dog that is much easier to train and will engage with you that way instead of just getting away with whatever they can get away with. That, that's a that's a critical thing. That's probably one of the reasons for some of the success I've had with dogs is because that's the first thing I do is go, all right, but you're going to have to start doing a little thinking for yourself and taking responsibility. Today, the one I want to go into is using balance in all of your activities with a dog. And balance is, again, not really investigated too much or thought about. It's very uh, important for the long-term goal of your dog, long-term goal. And often it's just overlooked in the immediacy of the moment. And it's good to uh, be aware of when you're working out the activities, how you want to interact with the dog, you know, what kind of things you want to start training, what you want to do with them, to do that with the long-term picture in mind. And to do that requires that that you understand the different elements to your animal and therefore the different elements to your activities with this animal. And by elements, when I say that, what I mean is uh, your dog has some uh, drives to do things. So 
you hunting dog people, retriever people, you know, they want to go get stuff, bring it back to you. They want to go find stuff initially to eat for themselves. Eventually we teach, no, it's for you to bring to me for us to eat. Um, deer poop excluded, of course. So they have very often a, a drive, an innate drive, you know, from their DNA to have a purpose and do something. That's one element to the dog. They also have uh, the personal side. And most of us get dogs, not just for, like we bought a tractor so it functions a certain way, although some people do do that. But it's also as a, as a buddy, as a companion, as a friend, as a member of the family, as somebody that participates in life with us. So there is a personal aspect when you have a dog, or at least probably if you're listening to this podcast, personal aspect. So it's the relationship thing. Then there is your dog's mental ability and what it uh, does with that. And so just like when you were a kid or if you had kids, you know, if you have a kid that is just sharp as a tack, right, you can't just let them do nothing with that because it's going to become a problem. So if you have a kid that needs to be mentally challenged, they can do things. It might be, it might be I don't know, sciencey stuff. It might be artsy stuff. It might be historical, whatever. It, it might be, in my son's case, he just loved wrestling, the, the chess side of wrestling. So he had the athletic thing and the mental thing. He liked that more than just, you know, doing a playing basketball or something. Um, so you, when you have a, a, a kid, you know, with a lot of stuff going on in their head, you need to give them challenges and things to do with that so that, one, they, they, ex, they get rid of that energy, that mental energy that they have, and they don't get rid of that by running around the backyard or chasing your truck any more than... Your smart kid gets rid of his mental in, in curiosity and desire to be challenged by, you know, just playing soccer. It's just not enough. So you have to understand, you know, some dogs are just really scary sharp and everybody owns a toller. That's you. <laughs> I'll just say that right now. And then, you know, the, the Goldens, gosh, they are big, big thinkers. And so it's really good to exercise the thinking thing in a way that's productive for you and for them. So you've got the, the intellect, whatever that is, and a way to use that and spend some of the energy that builds up in these guys. Then you have the physical, just the physical exercise, just like with kids and people, right? If you just never go anywhere or do anything, that's you're not very healthy, you're not very robust, and you don't get rid of a lot of the physical energy that you have. And so animals need that stuff. So we have purpose. We have uh, mental energy. We have the physical energy. And then we have the relationship with you and with the others in your family, the other dogs, the other people, if there are. So you have these different elements of an animal. And if you bear that in mind, when you design up the activities that you're going to do with the dog, maintaining a reasonable balance between the four winds up with a dog for the rest of your life, the next 10, 15 years, that is truly um, a productive, uh, contributing member to your family system in all the ways that you do it. So the majority of people 
who probably are listening to this, have a dog that they want to either go play the dog games with, they want to go hunt with, they want to train, um, they want to do some things with. So that would be the performance side. But you also have this dog because, again, it's part of the, the family and part of the, you know, but it's your buddy. So if you want to raise it in a way that is going to make it good at all of those things, all of those things, which you do, um, if then your interactions and training program need to be designed and carried out with respect to maintaining that balance. Now, for example, um, I know a lot of people, upland hunters. Upland hunters, sometimes it, it kind of scares me a little bit because they want an upland hunter. And so that means you put a, you get a little dog and you put it on birds and you let it tear up pigeons and rip them to shreds or eat them or whatever. And then you put it on birds and then you let them chase birds and then you shoot birds and let them, and you just all this one activity kind of upbringing. I know a lot of the, again, a lot of the uh, upland, just upland only dog trainers and dog people tend to be, can be, not all, can be oriented toward that thing. That's all I care about. I'm not going to go duck hunting. I'm not going to go run hunt tests or field trials. I'm, I just want a good upland hunting dog. Well, it, what I'm saying applies as much or more to them than it does anything else because you want to talk about out of balance. If you just do, and they're, they're a good example. Um, I'm not picking on them entirely, but it's just such a good example. That's all you ever do. So now this dog has this purpose, right? It has this purpose, and that is to go find these feathered things. And because of it, it's just that's all it ever did. You know, it, it can grab them, it can eat them, it can chase them, it can do all this stuff. And then finally, a little while down the line, you're going, okay, I, I, can't, I can't get this dog back. So now I'm going to have to come in here with some real, you know, electric collar tough stuff and teach this dog that it can't just run away from me when I call it. So you have a dog that has taken its uh, mental energy, its purpose, and its physical energy all in one area, one area, and that's that upland field. And so the rest of its life is basically just waiting for when it can go exercise all of these aspects that it has. So then you have, you know, a dog that is kind of crazy and kind of wild, and if they see the gun, they go nuts, and... They just, and you have to use such hard training techniques to reel that back in. So, and, and again, I'm just using that as an example. This is everywhere. Uh, I, there's people that have their, they want hunting dogs or competitive dogs, but they just, they live in the house, which is fine, but they live in the house and they don't go outside if it's cold and it's cold, so we're not going to go for a walk and I'm tired and so, and it just lives in, and it lives this kind of life of, of a catered to princess that doesn't have to do anything and then they later want it to go out when it's hot or cold or stickers or hard or going to be hours before you find a bird it, the dog has no ability to engage with anything that way because it never ever had to have anything but the easy life and so if it isn't easy to go find a bird then they just walk with you or go back to the truck so just using upland hunting as an example if you don't have a balance of this stuff, it is very detrimental to the long, to the best interest of the dog, and to what it is you'd like to have with this dog.
right? So you have a crazy maniac that you got to just kind of pound into submission, or you have a dog that you got to beg and plead to get out there and do hard work. You'll never have to pound them into anything other than, you know, okay, would you please go out in the field? So maintaining a good balance in all these aspects is, is, uh, there's just, it's the way to go. There's no downsides to having that. So again, you have dog's purpose. You have challenging it mentally. And you know, just running out in the field wild and crazy looking for a bird is not mentally challenging. That just spends a little physical energy, but also makes them crazy, which builds more physical energy. And then you have, right, the relationship, physical challenge, mental challenge, the relationship, and their purpose. So if instead, when you, got, when you have your youngster, be aware of these four elements to this dog. Be aware of them. And depending on the individual dog, you want to keep a pretty good balance, actually, between all of those things. Now, for me, I would think, I think the relationship, since this is your dog and you're going to have it forever, hopefully, um, forever the life of the dog, your relationship needs to be one uh, of teamwork, of complete and clear understanding of what's asked and what the standards are and what we do and what your role is and what my role is. All of the relationship is super important. And part of that should be respectful both ways, both ways. It, we are respectful to our animals when we understand their nature, what they need, what's good for them. That's being respectful to them. That's why we don't use food as their motivation or anything else. I mean, they got, they got a little more going for them than just that. So we understand what they are and what they need. And in return, right, they respect us. That means don't jump on me. Don't just demand whatever you want. Don't bark whenever you don't like what's happening. But also be a member of this system. Be quiet when it's time to be quiet. Be respectful of physical space. Don't drive the other animals nuts and crazy. And when we go do our job, I will teach you, you know, as you can, as you grow older and can learn what all this is, I'll teach you what the expectations are, and then I'm going to hold you to it. And it's your responsibility to do them. So you got this mutual respect relationship, which for the rest of your life with this animal would be fantastic. You know, if you have to leave it at the boarding kennel because you're on vacation, it's fine with that. If you're going to take it with you on vacation and it has to sleep in the crate in the garage because grandma doesn't want it in the house, it's fine with that. So it, the dog can fit into whatever's going. You're going to go hunting in North Dakota and it's bitter cold and the dog's like, I'm in, man, let's go. I'll just go out there. I want to find the bird more than I'm worried about how comfortable I am. That's all in the relationship. And you want to start that from the beginning at a level that the little pup can understand because they don't understand much. But as they get older and older, increase what you expect from them and the relationship and hold on to that. So when we're talking about balance, I don't care whether the dog is eight weeks old, 12 weeks old, or a year old or a year and a half old. It has all of these things. If you do it from the very beginning, if you offer all of these things, then when the dog is a year and a half or two or three or four, it totally gets how stuff is, totally understands its role, 
does it to the best of its innate talent and ability and your training of it. And it's a it's eminently pleasurable. And you're not having to um, do all kinds of punitive things with electric collars. You're not having to, you know, correct a bunch of stuff that it you let it learn because you just let it do whatever it wanted long past the time you should do that. So let me break these down. So we have relationship. That's the respect thing. And respect for animals is love. I will tell you that. They will always, always honor the person they respect the most, the alpha dog. That's where their loyalty is. I mean, they may really like whoever gives them food, but the loyalty is to the one they respect. And that's not a fear thing. That's just being afraid. That is a respect thing. You know, you spent, you've invested this time and energy in me. And you've taught me these things and you spend the time with me. And, and so you have the love of this animal. And you maintain consistent standards. They don't vary and change as you vary and change. Then you, they, they respect that a lot more. If you change it, it's just like having a kid. Yeah, sometimes they can get away with stuff. Sometimes they can't. They, that's not, they don't have a parent they respect with that. And the dogs are very similar to that. So you decide what, how it's going to be, and then you maintain a, a, across the board. And if you recall, I've said, that's not just when you're training it. That's 24 hours a day. That doesn't mean you're a drill sergeant. It just means that your standards for behavior and the way you treat each other is very consistent. And that's how you get very consistent behavior out of your dog. So if you're going to spoil them, then, you know, go ahead. If you're... But if you're going to demand something of them respectful, then do it in the house, in the field, in the car, walking down the street, going to the vet. Require the same thing, and then they will give you the same thing, and they will, they will love you for that. So that relationship is something that you start from the very beginning. Don't pick your puppy up and teach it to jump on you. Don't let them get away with making a lot of noise and demanding attention when you don't have time for it etc etc start that from the beginning and as they get older and more mature you can start to ask more as you train more mentally and this goes very much along with the relationship mentally just like with humans you need to challenge them i will say i think the mental challenge is more significant than the physical challenge if you ever want to tire a dog out Go make them do doggy algebra problems versus go playing doggy soccer. And you will have a dog that is, the energy is out of them because to think and have to think their way through things and remember things and try to execute things and hold a standard is very, very demanding. So with little tiny puppies, it's going on the walk with you and keeping up. You don't just go and do all the work and get it and call it. You go and, and make the little dog learn. I got to find out where he's going and I got to stay with him. That's how you, little guys, you teach them to think. And you throw a couple things and teach them to come right back to me. And then when I put you in the kennel and you have breakfast, now it's quiet time. Teach them to think with, with those kind of things. As they get older, your basic obedience for a few minutes not for 15 minutes so that you can demand extreme mental attention to what you're asking so they respond the first time they hear the command you teach them that and they can't stay on task for 15 minutes 
you can't stay on task for 15 minutes. Your mind's going to start wandering, loosening up. Everything's going to get loose. So as they begin to be able to do obedience, you go out there and be very simple and very demanding on a certain thing, levels where they really have to think. And then when you're done, you're done. And you begin to teach a dog how to focus, how to stay focused, how to respond to you, and that listening to you is its job. And you start doing that with a youngster. And then it goes for the rest of your life. And you don't have to go really nail them when they're chasing birds and not listening to you. So, and then as they get older, you've got, you've got, you know, the force fetch, you've got lining drills, you've got casting drills, you've got steadiness, you've got woe breaking, you've got all kinds of things. And for other breeds of dogs that do other things, they have all of that in their world. And as they can mentally grasp it, you maintain a super high standard of it. Okay, so now their mental challenge becomes part of who they are. One, it's a, it's a skill and a, a capability you really want on your dog because it makes them able to handle new things, changes, different things, new places, new demands because they're used to having to do that. That's an awesome animal to have. And also, it's a very satisfying thing for an animal. And I don't know how, if people always realize that. Just like if you're a, a real intelligent person and you're into the crossword puzzles, you know, you're into, into some of the video games that are challenging in certain ways. I don't do those things. but And so when you go and you do one of these things, you attend a class. You know, you learn how to speak Chinese. You go and you do that. There is such a, a sense of satisfaction in acquiring this new skill and figuring this stuff out and now have new mental abilities to do things. It is the same way for our dogs. They come to really, really like that. As long as you keep your standards, you keep a balance and do it with regularity, and it continue to increase the demand as their skill level goes up. You can't just do the same thing all the time. Boring, especially to a smart kid or a smart dog. So you have to be on top of things and keep adding to the demand. But that's one of the most satisfying things for a good animal on the planet Earth. And that's like my little wiener dog. I have that with her and the smartest uh, retrievers I've ever trained. Same with them. You've got to keep their mental thing going because when that makes a happy, healthy dog. And it takes more energy out of them than running behind the truck, guaranteed. So that's an important thing, and you start that from the very beginning. The physical release of energy is very important. One, all of these animals, with a few exceptions where people have messed up with the breeding, are athletes. They are purpose-filled athletes. And so they have... They want to go do what they're meant to do. And for those of us with the hunting dogs... That's a very, very athletic endeavor. Even if you're, if you're duck hunting, you know, one, you got to swim. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's long. You know, sometimes you got to get moved away from the ice. Then you got to sit still and be quiet. And then you go again. And sometimes if you're goose hunting, you could go long ways on retrieves or blinds or things like that. Very athletic. The training is very, is, requires a great deal of athleticism. If you compete, y'all know what that is. I mean, that's a that's a track meet all the time. It's kind of a soccer game, track meet, football game thing. Every time you do it, when you train and when you carry it out, athletes, 
So, and if you, you know, even if you just have your, your dog and he's your running buddy or your, goes biking with you or hiking with you, again, these guys are athletes. It's built into who they are and it is important. So walking from the house to the vehicle to the vet once around the park and in is probably not a real athletic thing. So that's an element to these dogs that is kind of a requirement for them to thrive and to, to get better at stuff. So now this is going to make a lot of people unhappy, but I don't view um, putting your dogs out in the backyard together and letting them run around till they exhaust each other like doggy daycare often does. That uh, is actually, in my opinion, very counterproductive because one, it's real sporadic. You get injuries that way. You know, you're doing all these rolls and rollbacks and turns and smash it into stuff so you can you can really get some injuries on that and the mentality when they're doing that is crazy it's just crazy there's no thought there's no focus there's no intent there's just wild and crazy and so if you're not willing to go out and get the dog exercise I guess you can let that happen but that takes that intellectual thinking focus skill thing that you try to develop and just eradicates it. And it's like, like I said, it's like having your kid goes to law school, but they party with drugs and booze and crazy wild people every weekend. It's going to be very hard. One of those is going to take precedence over the other. They don't really coexist real well together. And so the risk run crazy thing is very counterproductive and doesn't get out of the exercise what you could. So if your exercise is, um, doing your training, doing the walk, having your dog, uh, if you want to build endurance and stuff like that, okay, then your dog needs to basically be at a fast jog or a slow lope for an extended period of time. That's the only way you get endurance on dogs. So, you know, they could run with you, they could, and that, there's no crazy, when they have to do something with you, if you're on a bike, on a trail, or you're running, or you're walking, okay, they have to stay with you. So now we have to think, stay aware of you, and do this exercise at the same time. That's a maximum of everything, and there's no crazy. And But training, doing your upland work, doing marks and retrieves, all of that is also very, very good. But you only get endurance. I was reading one of the dog feed bags recently, and the dog food that I feed. And it said that this builds strength and endurance. And with all due respect to dog food that I respect a great deal and spend a lot of money on, that's not true. <laughs> it may give the dog all of the necessary nutrients to develop speed or uh, strength and endurance. But the only way you get strength and endurance is by using those muscles and by having that heart rate elevated for an extended period of time and practicing that so that it gets better and better. That's the only way you get strength and endurance, you or me or our dogs. It's not just because you ate a certain food. Or we could all eat a certain food and be Olympic athletes, right? So careful of that one. But exercise, when you go out and do exercise, and it does need to be longer than three or four minutes, you know, like the the, the field trial guys very often, you know, their dogs are on the trucks as they travel and they get out and they do wind sprints and then they sit. And then they go back into the box and then they get out and they do wind sprints and then they sit. 
the endurance thing is not uh, very strong on that. So you got to, you know, you got to have the strength to be able to run fast and not get injured when you run fast and have to jump over stuff or, you know, go under stuff or whatever. That's all strength thing. That takes practice. And the endurance, again, that is a time-dependent controlled activity with their cardiovascular system involved that gives them the endurance. Don't underestimate that. And you can do, on a little puppy, you got a 12-week-old puppy, we're not going on a bicycle with them, right? That's you walking through the field. But as they get four, five, six months, now we can, that needs to be extended, especially because they're like teenagers and they're crazy. And so if you give them this outlet, but they have to think at the same time and stay right with you on the leash or whatever, then you get, a, you know, good stuff for the two for the price of one on that. But that is very important to have the strength and endurance to be the athletes they are. And, you know, I say on a, on a heart level, on a spiritual level, they are athletes. And so they want to do athletic things. But you have to keep a balance in what that is. So it's not just the wild and crazy and then they break a toe or tear their ear off partway or whatever. You, it's just not necessary. So you keep a real good uh, balance on that. And finally is the purpose part of this. And the purpose part of things really speaks to the heart and soul of our animals. Because, as I've said so many times, they need to feel, all living things need to feel, like they are on this earth for to contribute to something. And our pack animals that we have, they are that way. They are, you know, they want to be a part and contribute to something. So for those of us that are competitive, those of us with the hunting dogs and the, and the retrievers, you know, it's easy to find what really these dogs really love. Part of that is retrieving, right? Part of that is hunting. Part of that is using their nose and thinking. And so when we compete or when we just hunt but we prepare for it, we are exercising the very purpose of these animals, the things that they were in part created for was to go do this. They weren't, you know, a, an awesome hunting dog was not created to walk around the park at Park Avenue on the little astroturf they're supposed to pee on, right? They, they won't even recognize. It's like, what? They get sick? Sometimes they, they leave us early because there's no purpose. So ours, those of us that have these, these high-performance animals, their purpose is there. And we can use that purpose to also establish our relationship, which is the other 24 hours of the day as well, to give them mental challenge, to give them physical challenge, to prepare them for that, and to do what they love. And they're doing it with us. They are doing it. We are partners in this. We provide a certain part of the whole picture, and they provide the other part. And yet they are doing what they are just intuitively inclined to do and that is um that is talk about fulfillment i mean that's absolute fulfillment so when your dog and i'm going to use the retrievers now when your dog has this relationship of mutual respect and they do 
take their take responsibility for their own actions so they're not being obnoxious to you or they're fun to have around and they realize what the rules are and they go do these things with you and they get smarter and smarter because you're always intellectually teaching them and challenging them and they get to go do what they were put on the earth to do that is the greatest buddy in the planet earth and they will look at you with loyalty and love that just never ends and it's by keeping a balance of these things from day one it starts at eight weeks like I, i've gotten a number of dogs in recently where people said hey i did nothing with the dog i didn't want to ruin it for you you know and it's like god i hope i can save this dog because it doesn't know any of these things. It eats and tries to entertain itself. I can't think of uh, a worse thing to do other than, you know, something abusive or neglectful. But from eight weeks on, start developing their purpose. Give them things to think about. Give them some productive exercise. Remember they're athletes. And all the time work on that relationship. Realize, even if you're busy, they're into it for 24 hours a day. So your interactions and things with them need to be what you would like in the long term. Don't underestimate. They're not just cute little things and we'll get to the training later because you're training right now. Um, even if you don't think you are or don't, even if you don't agree with me, hey, you're still training them. You're training them that, you know, you're not really very connected and just look for something to eat. So it's it's... Um, when you do this in a thoughtful way from the beginning and realize these different elements and emphasize all of them, and I said it depends on individuals. If you have a real wild and crazy uh, kind of a dog, then in the beginning, uh, mentally, you know, where they're just, then we might want to do a little bit more on the athleticism part and wait a little bit to get them to think until we've got that sort of under wraps a little bit. The relationship you do all the time, it's important with everything. And also the purpose. If you give these guys a real sense of their purpose, that is a kind of a fulfilling, feel-good thing and makes it easier to then be able to do the mental stuff. If you have a dog that has a less purpose, is, is more mildly interested in doing the, the, you know, the big stuff, okay, now then we're not going to just go after that we're not going to go after their purpose what we need to do is one get them physically if, if they have mild interest and stuff make sure that athletically they're fully capable that they have all of this ability to go do the work make sure you've got that don't be so demanding on the thinking thing you know it's like a kid that doesn't like math if you have a kid that doesn't like math so you make him take three math classes and he really wants to be out playing soccer he's gonna be bad at math and soccer so what you want to do if you have a kid that doesn't like math or, you know, a dog that's not that interested in retrieving or, or looking for birds or something, then don't just grind on grindy stuff. R just get them up running out there. Do the exercise stuff. Get them out there where it's just fun to be out here and throw one retrieve, you know, one. And make a big deal out of it when they get it. And then not another one. And then maybe wait for a little bit. But you've got to kind of play with the balance on this so that you ultimately end up with I've seen many many mildly interested dogs mildly interested in retrieving where I didn't go after that 
You know, instead we went after other things. I still taught him basic obedience, and we had our relationship thing and understanding stuff. But we would go out and and just, you know, I'd get on a bike and go, come on, let's go. Let's go through the field. And I would try to get that them loosened up in the being out there-ness of things. And then maybe do one retrieve and maybe do it, you know, with a, something that was alive and flapping around. Oh, look at that. Awesome. And until I got a little bit more of that going before I started doing more of the control stuff. So it's a the balance of this is what's really important. And if you just maintain that, emphasizing what you need to as the dog grows up and goes along, you'll find that you probably get a lot more out of that dog than you ever thought you could just by making adjustments to keep things in a reasonable balance and not nag or bore them to death or overdo anything. If you like exercise, so you just like to do a lot of that, so your dog does a lot of that and not too much of the algebra problem stuff, you're going to pay for that. So if you like a lot of exercise, take your dog on a reasonable amount of it and do the rest by yourself and take some time to make sure that you also balance that out with the, with the algebra problem, thinking mental challenge part that you don't find is fun. Because what we all do, all of us, myself included, what we all do is whatever we like most, we do most because <laughs> we want to enjoy this. And in the building of a dog, you need to put your likes and dislikes aside. And if you can, do what's best for that dog in terms of the development. Because by the time they're a year or two old, you're pretty much there. So if you can, make that time really count. And then if you like, you're a marathon runner and you like running a lot with your dog more than you like the other stuff, by that time your dog is kind of established, you've built him or her. And then you can, you know, do what you like most and don't have to worry about it. But in the building of them, this balance is very important. I hope that makes sense to everybody. It's been kind of a long one, but it's a very, very important one. And you have to think about it a little bit because it's just, again, not something everybody thinks about all the time. Well, I'm going to go back to training dogs in the inside of a building because they can't keep their feet on the ground more than a minute or two right now outside and uh, try to keep a balance without too much of the exercise. That's kind of hard. So I wish everybody well. Again, stay healthy, stay safe, stay warm. And G and I will be back soon.